0: This is Tony Ruggiero, and you're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast. Just like we've been doing for the last couple years here on the Tour Coach, I'm going to be bringing you lots of chats, interviews, roundtable discussions on what we do, how we do it, from players to coaches to caddies, students All of this comes from my travels that are on tour or to Old Palm or from here in Mobile or wherever it is I go around this country, around the world, teaching and coaching at the game of golf that I love. So hopefully, if you listen, you're going to like what you hear. There's, There's lots and lots of info and content coming your way that I think are going to help all of you understand and play the game even better or or coach the game we've got so many coaches that listen to this tour coach podcast so appreciate all of you that have gone along with me on this journey for the tour coach i didn't necessarily know where i was going with it when i started this when the do sweepers radio show ended on xm serious but i can tell you that has given me so much freedom and creativity to be able to talk a little more and a little more in depth and bring all of you a behind-the-scenes, inside-the-ropes look at what me and my team do and the people that we associate with it and how you can use us as a resource to help you get better at the game of golf. Look, and if you like what you hear on the Tour Coach, also make sure you check out our Pro Work video series, which is available for you on YouTube and my YouTube channel. If you just go on YouTube and type in Pro Work It'll pull up the episodes that are out there. Some really, really great stuff that takes you behind the scenes and inside the ropes. And before I let you go to the tour coach, special thanks to my sponsors that have all been with me for such a long time. on Golf, been with them over 20 years. Can't find anybody better in the equipment side of the world. Bushnell Golf, such a big part of what we're doing with Pro Work and what I do day to day, especially with the Launch Pro. Vineyard Vines, Ian and Shep, Amber and the folks there. Always keep me looking great. We've been such great partners for a good long time. And lastly, McConnell Automotive uh, here in Mobile, Alabama. Mitch McConnell and the gang. There's nobody that has supported me longer. I mean, they're unbelievable. And the folks at Buick GMC for supporting the Dew Sweepers Radio Show as well as the tour coach and as well as pro work. So check out McConnell automotive and Buick GMC. And lastly, our, my friend Blaine Stokely and Stokely's Midtown garden express here in mobile. Those folks keep the dew sweepers and keep the pro work and the tour coach and all of our content alive and well for all of you that love the game and want to learn. Enjoy the tour coach podcast, which is coming your way right now. All right. So sitting in here with me on the tour coach podcast, is Kelvin Kelly. He's a, uh, one of the up and coming young teachers to watch, uh, out of California, born and raised in California, out in San Francisco, uh, was at the Olympic Club. Uh, this, uh, this, uh, interview was actually referred to us by a listener of the tour coach and as well as his podcast on Twitter. I guess it's called X now. Elon's re, uh, renamed it. Uh, but, uh, anyways, I thought it was, uh, it's, I th- to me, it's always cool when people listen and then people say, Hey, you ought to get, um, you know, you ought to get this teacher or coach on. I'm always looking to find out. I think one of the things that that I really take pride in and and I sh- I really try to do a decent job in is to mentor, shed light on, expose uh, younger teachers coming up that are making an impact. And obviously he's one of uh, the Golf Magazine teachers to watch. Nick Domingo and the folks there do such a good job highlighting the up-and-coming teachers. So excited to have Kelvin on. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well Tony. I appreciate you having me on. Your uh, your podcast has been one of my favorites for a few years now. It's a, it's a great podcast for coaches to listen to, just to have an open mind
0: and, and get better. You know, when the when the tour coach started it was you know it was kind of a uh it was actually Lucas Glover's idea of all things. Uh but when, uh, okay. when back when I was working with him, but uh I had been on XM, Serious XM PGA Tour Radio for you know, thirteen, fourteen years, something like that. And it was all golf instruction. And then, it, and then when we just, when we left there and that deal ended, it was like, well, what do you do? Do we keep doing something? And I mean, you know, from all the stuff you do, you also kind of don't mind a break a little bit, you know, uh, 14, 15 years or whatever it was doing radio was, 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 uh, plenty, but uh, I've been enjoying the heck out of the podcast and doing this and, uh, enjoy the opportunity just to sit and talk and talk golf. And when it started, I mean, like we have tons of, Just golfers, obviously somebody driving around listening to you and I is a golf nut, right? I mean, and loves golf and all of that. Or, I mean, you know, this probably wouldn't be the podcast for somebody like just trying to entertain themselves. You got to love the game of golf to be listening, but uh, we have, but it's morphed into where we have so many teachers and coaches listening to this, which wasn't the initial kind of idea for it but that's kind of what it's turned into but it's turned into a pretty cool thing so i'm looking forward to learning about you Uh, i've read some stuff heard some stuff obviously Uh, tell me a little about your goal i'm always fascinated by coaches and their journey how they get to where they are how did what made you want to coach what made you want to teach What guided you along the way? Those stories are the things that always interest me, fascinate me. I'm vocal about my upbringing under some great teachers and the folks that have taken an interest in me. Looking forward to hearing about yours.
1: Yeah, so, see, I'm 38 years old. Like you mentioned, I'm born and raised, pretty much stayed in California, although I spent a lot of time traveling with golf and traveling watching um, other instructors teach as well. Went to Cal State Northridge years ago down in San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles and first started working at a course – Called Rustic Canyon. I actually started off in the cart barn there my summertime job and then worked my way into the shop and then got into the PGA program and fast forward, worked my way up to a golf course up here in Northern California at Healdsburg. Started teaching a bit, doing the PGA program, uh, knocked that out. Then I was fortunate enough to uh, start working and teaching out at Sonoma Golf Club. Used to host host the Charles Schwab Mm Cup finale and then I was out there for a few years And I was extremely fortunate to get the – or to start working and teaching out at Olympic Club out here in the Bay Area. Started to kind of, I guess, build my stable of players or grow my business a bit. And then was able to break away and do my own thing as an independent contractor about three, four years ago. So now I teach at a practice facility called Mariner's Point out here in Foster City and Peacock Gap in San Rafael. They're about an hour apart. Um, Once 30 minutes – North and of San Francisco, then it was thirty minutes south of San Francisco. So, I am right in the right, living right in the middle in good old San Francisco here. Um, <laughs> although it's not as bad as the media says, I, I promise. I mean, it's still bad, but not
0: not as bad. <laughs> not, as bad. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. not
1: as bad. It's not good. I can't. I gotta be honest. It's not good, but it's not as bad as what you.
0: I mean, that's a used. conversation for a totally different day. I was, you know, yeah, dur- yeah, dur- yeah, during the that. during the PGA during COVID which was out there at Harding Park I was out there yeah. and that was when everything was shut down and we were in a um we were in a uh an Airbnb and and uh, you know Lucas had had a you know he had somebody come in to cook and all that it was wild it was like a I mean it was like being in a war zone it was one of the most surreal bizarre scenes and the the people living on the street it was insane from somebody from Mobile Alabama that spends time in south florida it was uh it was a different scene but uh talk about your so you so you know like a lot of teachers coming up i mean we we you know we generally start in the golf business we figure out teaching is where we want to be um, you know that's our passion, and then we work our way and, and kind of find our way to to the right place to teach and grow. And obviously having the opportunity to be at the Olympic club, I'm sure surrounded you with a lot, not only great players, but influential people. And, and those are the, I mean, to me, that's one of the important things is finding people that'll help you along the way, because learning to teach golf is not for the faint of heart and it's not the easiest. And it's certainly not the easiest way to make a living when you get started.
1: Uh, absolutely correct. Um, that's basically, yeah. So how my journey started with teaching is I, I got into. I realized I wanted to coach right away, even at a, at a young age. The second, I picked up a golf club. I was just fascinated with the golf swing, probably too much at that point, and I'd really gotten into a you know, performance state or how to practice in an efficient way, but just trying to figure out how it worked. And this was pre pre Instagram and, and YouTube. And so I spent a lot of time at the library growing up, just waiting for the Golf Digest, Golf Magazine to show up in the mail, looking at my pal swings who were who were better than me, just literally just trying to figure out, you know, how it worked. Um, once I started teaching and coaching for, for a living, I just bounced around to watch as many many instructors as, as I could and traveled a few spots in different locations in the country. Um, kind of fate would have it. I'm extremely fortunate that a uh, friend, or actually a member at Sonoma Golf Club, who I played a lot of golf with, and I was bouncing around with other instructors too, working on my own game. I was never good enough to play on any any a tour by by any means but you know i still really enjoy working on my own game like most people do so it's kind of both actually i should say working on my own game a bit and on top of it just trying to get better as a coach um but ran into i was playing with a member out at sonoma and he introduced me to a a top coach out here in the bay area alex murray um who teaches and taught maverick McNeely, and won 10 times at stanford who plays on the pga tour now and teaches all basically the top junior players and out here in, in Northern California, really all around. So I pestered him and pestered him trying to get in there to to watch him teach. And he finally let me in <laughs> mm-hmm. on one of my days off. And I brought in my, my notepad and, and paper and a pencil and just jotted down as much many notes as I could in the eight hours. And uh, I still today remember I, I went home and I, I felt relieved that everything he said finally made sense to me. I'd been around to some other instructors where, Um, Still, you know, great instructors, and uh, you know, looking back, some some things I agree with and disagree. We all have our own philosophy, right, and a bit of taste of of what we like, and definitely gain a little bit of knowledge from everybody. But yeah, when I met Alex, everything just kind of kind of came together, and just luckily he happened to be out here in the Bay Area as well, just an hour away from me. So this is while I was at Snowman Olympic, and you know, I started just watching him teach more and more, and he was extremely gracious in the fact that he would let me let me pop in with some of his students, and I was able to ask a lot of questions and he still uh, teaches and coaches Rod Pampling who plays on the Champions mm-hmm. tour and players like Chad Campbell popping in and, and some other uh, high quality tour players. So that was, that would be my major mentor. Cause I know the the show is big on kind of your, your journey and who, who mentored you. And hands down, that's mine. I got to give pretty much all my credit to, to him, to be honest, my, uh, I was so frustrated in trying to make things work and, Maybe I'm just not smart enough to figure it out on my own, but couldn't really get anything to understand. Couldn't really understand matchups and all that, and um, so yeah, he played a major, a major role, major role in my journey, and I'm and I'm still picking brain, still picking people's minds, every coach I can, just trying to gain as much, much knowledge as I can. Because, like you said before, we can always still get better, and like we chatted about, that's the that's the beauty of your of your podcast.
0: Well, I think you know I love. I love the going to watch people teach, you know, uh, and it blows me away that that teachers charge for that or don't allow people to do it. Like, I mean, I you know, like, heck, I would be nowhere if it wasn't for, you know, folks let me come watch them. Right. And I think in this, in, in, that? what's that? Oh, yeah. People are people charge for that now. Mm hmm. Oh yeah. I
1: did not. That's the first I've heard of that. No,
0: no. Trust me. Trust me. I get people all the time message me or, and, and then, and there's a bunch of people that don't let people come too, and like, it's like they got something top secret or something, you know? Uh, oh, that's it, brutal. It, but that's it's definitely it, not the way to go. No, no, I, I, I agree. And I think that, uh, um, you know, I think too, in, in the information age, we are with social media and all that. And, the ability to watch stuff online, well, I think it's fantastic. Like, you know, I'm not saying I don't sit watch clips of something here and there, but I still don't think that replaces the getting your ass in a car and driving to taking your time to sit there and watch somebody teach and see what they do. You know, and I and I think that uh, I think that kudos to you for doing that because I I see less and less people doing it right because there's so much stuff online, but I don't think you can. I don't think you can get the same experience unless you're sitting there. And I love the fact that you said you took notes because I'm I'm curious what you when you're watching somebody, what you're looking for. I'm always sitting there trying to think, you know, I know I was I went, you know, I've gone a few times and I've hung out and I've watched uh, a lot of great teachers. Right. And and I'm always sitting there trying to think, Okay, if I was teaching the lesson, where would I start? Then now, why did they start here? And what was the reason for doing it? Right you know yep. curious what your thoughts were when you're sitting there observe when you were observing and, and you're trying to figure your stuff out
1: yeah I, I would say it's mostly just the overall structure of it the first thing i would do is say they're hitting balls hitting a few wedges warming up and they get into their their midiron whatever they're working on i would try and instantly figure out you know what would i do mm-hmm. <laughs> and then then i compare that instantly to, to what they do and then for me it, i think it's mostly the communication how they communicate it and obviously that's Another art of of teaching is getting the. You can know all the information, but getting your point across and getting the student to retain it is a, is another ball game. And just how he goes about, how the how the teacher goes about, you know, putting their hands on it, moving it around, or using video, or giving them any sort of augmented feedback in between shots. Is it five balls, take a break, uh, in a bit more variety practice? How. How many off-speed shots are they hitting? Just and even just the the conversation of person to person, what they're trying to get out of their golf and building the relationship with that person. Um, one thing I've I've learned is I'm not a I'm me person. I'm not a tip teacher where a student comes in and I'm going to throw a aid on their yeah, thing. unless it's one same. of my students going out. Yeah, unless it's one of my students going out for a round and look, I, I'm hooking and you know get me through the round. That that's obviously a bit different, but. Uh, I think it's important to build a relationship with somebody and and have the student have a long-term plan to get better. And they have a solid foundation. They can have something to fall back on when they hit their their peaks and valleys. So, yeah, just the overall communication, I would say, just how they build that rapport. Um, Obviously, some of the technical stuff. But, yeah, I I still like doing it as a a refresher. Sometimes every probably six months, I'll actually video or record uh, with my students' permission, my my lesson just to hear myself talk, and you know it's easy to to fall into a rut and not pay attention to what you're saying. And I recorded one of my conversations like three four months ago, and I um, luckily it was a returning student. And I had a good <laughs> rapport with them, but <laughs> I got home and listened to it. And I'm like, man, I, how is this guy even coming back? I don't think I you know there's information overload and some other things I needed to work on, but um but that's the duty of teaching, right? You're always always trying to get better as a coach.
0: Yeah, I think information overload is a, is a problem that's out there. Um, you know, I, I see it more and more with, with folks. I think that it's, and this is probably like one of those huge rash generalizations, right? But like, you know, I think as teachers get older and more experienced, the best teachers find ways to get done by saying less. And then you watch younger folks come up that, and they tend to say lots. Lots of stuff and give lots of info. And I remember, you know, uh, I mean, the fir- one of the first times my mentor watched me teach, I mean, I remember I was so damn nervous. I mean, I thought I was going to crap myself. You know, I mean, I was like shaking, you know, and he pulled me to the side and said, you know, taking a lesson from he's like taking a sip of water from a garden hose, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. uh, or from a fire hydrant rather. And, uh, you know, and then, and, and that always struck me like to try to give less. And I've tried to do that, but I think communication is, communication is such a big deal and such a big part of what we do, the ability to, you know, the ability to find simple ways to communicate it. You talked about the foundation and the fundamentals of things. What are, what are some of the foundations? Like, so when a, you know, whether it's a junior, uh, uh, I, I love the fact that you don't do quick fixes. I mean, I agree. I, I, I could I mean I do it every now and then somebody had now but for the most part I think real success and I also think from a you know becoming a teacher and a better teacher having a real plan for a student and the ability to lay that out in front of them and to say here's where we're going is a powerful tool you know, if they know that you have a plan and where you're going with them as a, as a teacher, I think they tend to buy in and they believe in you. If, if they believe in you, I think you've got, you're over halfway there towards getting them, uh, getting them to get better. But where, when you look at a student the first time, what are the, some of the things you look at that helps you put together your plan for that student?
1: Yeah. First thing is, uh, I definitely want to pick their brain and understand what, what, what concepts they have through their mind. Um, it's so easy now to obviously, like you mentioned, pop on YouTube or Instagram and go down a rabbit hole of quick fixes or e- even their background of what they came came from in their original lessons a few years ago and what their original pattern was. And that'll usually dive into what the ball flight does and what they want to see, what it does when they hit it well, what they do when they when they miss hit it, what they, you know, they want to see. And then in terms of a bit more of the technical stuff or kind of my philosophy, I've always just believed and enjoyed looking at simple golf swings. Um, ones where there's not a lot not a lot of recovery or moving parts in the swing to, to find impact and i guess you could use the word efficient in terms of building the the foundation i mean it always starts in the most controllable areas and to me the most controllable areas is, is the address position or setup any any point where you're, you're not putting the club in motion because so once you put the club in motion obviously it becomes a lot a lot harder to train which which can be done but i'm always trying to fix it fix it from the start it's always Made the made the most sense to me after I heard that from Alex and uh, Gary Edwin, who also played a major influence on on my teaching. Um, so it starts with the setup, and it's the first thing I'm always gonna gonna look at when somebody when somebody walks in my doors. I have my preference on, on what I like to see. There's definitely not not one also not one setup. Everybody has a it has has a couple you know, different different builds, different physiology. So based on their pattern, I might tweak it. But there are some things that I like to see in that in that setup to to make the to make the swing a bit more efficient so usually the origin i find lies in that as well and going back to the importance of the setup and and literally the first two feet that club swings back um so i i definitely educate the student on the first time and i'll spend a little bit more time on video i think than maybe most most teachers because you know making a swing change and having that foundation it starts in the brain first before you're out there whacking machine gun and balls down the range so I want them to, to fully understand the concepts and get them to understand the, their pattern and usually the opposite pattern on what we're trying to, trying to get them to do long-term.
0: Yeah, you know, two things. Uh, you, you talked about the importance of address or, you know, setup. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I gave a lesson the other day in, uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, up at Montgomery Country Club, and, and uh, a guy that had come back to the game, I spent the whole hour on posture right and had to keep filming him because it felt weird as hell right he thought there's no way that was the way you're supposed to stand right and you know by the end he hit, hit it a lot better i think one of the most in in these you know in the days of with everybody's got 3d and everybody's looking at wrist angles all that i think one of the things that's really often overlooked that could that really does help recreational golfers or golfers of any skill level is people just overlook the importance of being balanced at setup. You know, they look at a yeah, lot definitely. of other things, but like and you like you said, there's a lot of different postures, a little different ways to do it. But like to me, balance and being balanced is never going to go out of style.
1: Yeah, it, it never will. You, all good swings left some sort of of balance. If, if you wanted to use that word, sure. I'll definitely get them to understand the difference between pressure and weight. I, I use the term throwing angles. It's if I could best describe it o, o, over a podcast, throwing, throwing, throwing posture angles is if you're looking at somebody face on. Um, they're almost in it, it, their body and arm structure in trail arms, almost in a position where it, it looks like they're getting ready to, to throw a ball or hit the golf ball forward mm-hmm. to the target, which is, which is obviously where we want the ball to go. So it's a little bit different than what most people think of as the usual posture where the ball is in the middle of their feet and they're, upper bodies directly over their lower body and everything's neutral. I, I like to see some levels and angles or the lead side's a bit higher than the trail side and given it the, the Ben Hogan arms, or the Peter Thompson arms with the right side below the left and a tucked right arm and bit pressure forward and the, the mass behind the ball. And um, I call it body shape and it's throwing shape. It looks like you're getting ready to throw a ball forward. And that's really where the efficient part
0: starts. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I do a lot, obviously with, uh resistance bands and athletic movements i think that it's easier to help folks learn things especially if you can relate it to other athletic movements and you know rotary Mm -hmm. motions you know i like the idea i use the analogy of throwing a lot we'll throw a soccer ball type thing you know uh help them learn to load into their trail side and release and how you throw uh when it comes to tech, I always ask this question to young teachers how much how much do you use tech in a lesson? I, this is as much I you know part of doing this podcast is I, I learn from the folks that I bring on and, and just curious like uh, I love what you said about explaining and sitting down and explaining to the student, where you're going and why. I think one thing that gets often overlooked is it really taking the time to explain to the student why you think something's important and why they should make the change. And because to me, if they don't really understand that, if they go home and they hit balls for an hour and it's pretty crappy, the odds that they keep sticking with it aren't great. If they don't really understand why they're doing something, how much do you use technology as a younger teacher and helping explain the why to students? Just curious.
1: Yeah, I definitely use video a lot. Whether it be my iPad, my cell phone, or video at my learning center, um, just because it seemed like you know, feel isn't real. So players are often shocked when they <laughs> mm-hmm. when they look up and see themselves on the video. So it's, I guess you could say it's reinforcement. Um, so I, I definitely use video a lot just so they can see what's what's actually going on, which will more times than not be different than, than what they're feeling. Or why wow, I didn't realize it's still you know clearing my left side that early, or why wow, I took the club back that far and. So definitely reinforcement and get them to understand that that feel isn't real. Um, so, uh, hands down, video pretty much every lesson unless I have a you know really good rapport with somebody and they're maybe going out to play the the next day or same day. Um, I was fortunate enough to to get a track man a few years back, and you know I'll pull that out in terms of show my numbers of students if I need validation. <laughs> yeah, Those things don't lie for the most for the most part. So I'm like, hey, look, you know, you're sixty six degrees down and across it, you know. Oh, like, no, I can hit it from the inside. Well, look, you hit 20 balls and they're all, you know, seven degrees <laughs> from the outside and get him, get him to show it. So it's, it's nice to have uh, an absolute with that measurement. But in terms of the track, man, I'll even, and that's mostly for me. Rarely do I do I even really show the student unless we're doing some shot shaping to get him to match up a feel. But that's a little bit for me to, to I mean, I'll get a role in the majority of my lessons, but I'm taking a look at it, not necessarily sharing, sharing that information with my student. Um, I find being out here too with the, with the, in the tech capital of the world, they, they gravitate towards that track man, man. They, oh, uh, yeah. they become obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. And then they're hitting shots, staring at numbers. So it's mostly for me or I'll just put the track man up to the, to the, to the face, the face part of it and be like, look, you're healing it. Let's get this off the center. I, I find that actually one of the most useful parts of the track man, although you can throw obviously face spray on a face, but, just getting them to start with center to center contact is great with that. Or when I'm doing a little bit more performance mode and using the, the performance center on the center on the track, man, um, that's phenomenal. But in terms of the, the numbers of, of the ball metrics, you yeah, for the most part, and there are exceptions and I'm using that literally to educate myself too. And sometimes like, like, you know, it's shocking and the guys swing it like an ax murder and all of a sudden you look down at it and you know, the path wasn't that far off the, the majority of the time obviously the face angle will be all over the place but I mean, he did a pretty good job making that swing work over and over although it's not obviously as if there is such a thing you know consistent as they would like so mostly for myself um a huge huge fan of of mirror work and that's kind of a stable of, of what i teach and getting students to kind of to elaborate on your question as well getting students to understand their pattern what they're looking for and you're going old school really getting them in front of a mirror or reflection any sort of way they can get feedback and you know mirror work's done with your looking into a mirror with your head up not in front of a mirror with your face on the ground mm-hmm. looking into a mirror and doing slow deliberate swings and checking positions and looking down at an imaginary ball and capturing that feel and you know blending that into hitting balls. so a little bit of mirror work that matches or video that matches up into the mirror work so the player can start training themselves properly, and obviously that starts with understanding their ball flight and their tendencies.
0: That is old school. I love it. I, I, I use – it seems like the the longer I do this, the, the more I've gotten back to doing – going back to stuff I learned earlier, like I having people do a lot of slow motion swings, right, like full motion but crazy slow, maybe where it's full motion and the ball is just going to go barely off the end of the tee type of deal, right, you know? and um, yeah. And, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, I know from one of the, the podcasts and the, the, the teacher, uh, you know, that we have, uh, the golf coach development Zoom call that we do monthly. Butch was on a month ago and he talked about how he films practice swings, people making swings and doing, whether it's, you know, slow motion or practice swings without the ball to show them that they can do things. You know, I think that, I think those are powerful tools, like whether it's in the mirror or slow motion. Uh, or practice mm-hmm. swings without a ball where, you can, where they can learn what it is, but you can also film it and give them feedback to show them that they can do things.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, if you think about it, and obvious. if they're not doing it right in there, whatever change you're looking them to make, whether it be the dress position or backswing position or position A, if they're not doing it right in a practice swing, they're probably certainly not going to be doing it right at slow motion or, and right. definitely not at full speed. So, I mean, it makes sense to me if, if um, they can't do it without a ball, and they're certainly probably not going to do it with the ball. So I think it would have to start with uh, in a practice swing. And then I have a system where I use gear one, gear two, gear three, who I got through Carl Morris, who's a performance coach out in, out in the UK, where it's gear one, just a mini shot. And they call mm-hmm. it, I call it Hogan speed, where it's just a seven iron, hitting it out there 20 yards and just being really mindful of your position, which isn't easy to do, by the way. No. <laughs> I'm always fascinated with how, how many good players really, really struggle with that. Um, and then my gear two would be fifty percent speed, just a half speed, say mid iron, and then that's usually where I'll videotape it. And we'll do sets of balls in in each each gear, and then finally gear three, which is a bit more of golf course or performance speed. So I like to give them some structure for when they when they go out and practice.
0: Yeah, structure for practices, for you know, uh, so important because so many folks don't don't know how to. Heck, I mean, they don't know how to practice, and uh, a lot of folks that are, re- you know, you you get all types you get folks don't have time aren't going to practice but you get the folks that are grinding on it and 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 not being very efficient or effective when they practice you you talked about throwing angles you know that you teach kind of a, a throwing angle take us through that a little more i'm fascinated by that and maybe some of the some of the tools, the drills, et cetera, that you would have, that you would have a student on your tee do to maybe learn and improve some of these angles.
1: Yeah. Well, after they get into their, their throwing position at dress, um, obviously it, it starts there. Uh, just going back to my journey in coaching too, I was always fascinated with the, with the direction the body moves in terms of the, the top and the bottom and how much side bend and, you know, what direction the shoulders are going around, the hips and knees, and, and just the whole, how the whole unit moves. Um, once I get players, again, this is just preference is obviously always more than one way is to skin a cat. And once I get somebody put into their, their throwing angles, it's, it's really getting their, getting their body. To, I don't really use the word turn because the, the word turn is pretty subjective. It's, I do use the word throw or, or coil. Um, I get their body to, to, to move in a, in a direction that looks like they're getting ready to go forward and around towards the target or a, a throwing position, essentially. And that means usually after they're saying, I'm trying to do my best to describe this on a podcast, if they're out of dress and their lead side's a bit high and their trail side's a bit low, um, and they got their right arm in front of them, almost like they're getting ready to push up against the wall. If I looked at that face on to me, that looks like somebody's reared back their right arm and got their top back behind their bottom just slightly to throw a ball forward. If they if they continue to say look over their left shoulder and had a had an this is one of my drills in my my stable stable of drills. If if I put, gave them an impact bag and they they held the impact bag in front of them and right? they put their hands on the side of the impact bag, and they're bent from their hips and they're throwing angles golf posture. They held the bag on the side, and they had uh, the logo of whatever impact bag. Hit it hard on, on the top of the impact bag, and I had that had them just with their arms swing it swing it around them level. I mean, just swing it around them slightly, like they're getting ready to throw the bag forward out towards the target or a medicine ball up against the wall. Usually, the, the body will respond to that natural throwing direction of the bag with the right side we'll move back and around and the lead side will come out a bit. Usually that people tell me it feels like the, the right glutes going This is for a right-handed golfer, by the way. It feels like their <laughs> right glutes going back over their their right glutes going back over their left heel a bit and their, their top or their mass is working back behind the ball. So I I love any kind of small bag, bag throws to, to keep it simple. Not it pretty much eliminates the, and you get more serious golfers listening to your podcast, eliminates a little bit more of the left side bend or the, or the tilt down. Yeah. I, I try and avoid that word. I don't like when players tilt down. Um, a tilt would be obviously for a right-handed player where it looks like their upper body is going down into the ground. Right. On, on the throwing throwing analogies, to me, that looks like a person throwing a ball straight into the ground. Yeah, um, and, and, and when they do that, they have to recover with their legs, and then, then they're throwing a ball back up. Because what, what goes down, what tilts down has to tilt back and up. So there's a lot of recovery in the swing. So if they don't have a lot of left side bend or tilt and, and their body gets into that throwing position, their body can work forward and around and they can hit it with their mass and that eliminates a lot of excess body motion. So the bag throw is definitely definitely priority no, number one in my drills or medicine throw, medicine ball throw. And it's just a small motion. It's not a big wind up, which gets the arms to, to pull around the body if you start a bit more efficiently.
0: Awesome stuff. Kelvin, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you got a busy teaching schedule out there. Uh, appreciate you taking the time and reaching out. And uh, kudos to the gentleman on, uh, I think it was a gentleman on X or Twitter that uh, recommended you coming on. Awesome stuff. Great insight. Very cool to, to chat with you. Hopefully we'll do this again, maybe run into each other get to chat more about golf but appreciate you sitting in let everybody know how to find you out there uh you know find out where you are how to get more about your instruction and so forth
1: yeah first of all thanks for having me on like i mentioned before your podcast is definitely my top podcast out there listen to it on on my way to way to work even you know even if you agree or disagree with a coach it still opens your mind and gets you another way to to think about things that's that's the beauty of teaching so keep up the good work um, and again, thanks for having me on. My website is uh, kellygolf.com, and Kelly is K-E-L-L-E-Y. There's a golf.com. There's a second E in there. People always yep. miss. And not too active on Twitter, or excuse me, on Instagram. It's mostly pictures of my dog. Uh, I am Nothing on, wrong with that. On Twitter. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, I am on Twitter, where I spend a little bit more time, kind of post some old swings and um, stuff like that, at K Kelly k-e-l-l-e-y underscore golf so in the process of building a bit more of a platform on my website in the coming months but right now it's where players can find me
0: awesome stuff great kelvin thanks so much for sitting in continued uh success look forward to catching up soon we'll do it again thanks Tony. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram. Or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and the Deuce Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Striction Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. And look, recently, several teachers I know and several players have had some scares with skin cancer. In fact, I recently went and saw a dermatologist here in town and I had a couple things frozen off, eyelid, my face, my earlobe, and not getting any younger. And I know I know, it's getting to that time of the season where it's cooler, but look, being in the sun is a real deal. And I've not been very good, to be totally honest, my whole career using it at all because I didn't like how greasy it was how hard it was to get off your hands, how it clogged up my pores. And then I found this sunscreen, Visor Skin Care. It's clear. It goes on. It doesn't dry you out. It isn't greasy. It's like you didn't put anything on. By far, it's the best sunscreen I've ever used. Without a doubt, it's the easiest to use. And we've got a discount code for all of you. All you have to do is go to visorskincare.com. Use our code word, Do Sweeper visorskincare.com, code word DEWSWEEPER.